Hello, and welcome back to the To the Heights podcast. This is Olivia Colombo. I'm a young Catholic changemaker, and I am so excited to be embarking on this project of sharing stories of the young people of the Catholic Church and those who minister to them. The title, To the Heights, is a translation of the quote, Verso Lealto, by Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a 24-year-old student and lover of mountain climbing, who is on his way to canonization because he dedicated his life to caring for the poor and vulnerable. His catchphrase, To the Heights, serves as a prayer and reminder for many to keep working and achieving for the glory of God. Through my own work in ministry and media, I've had the blessing of meeting so many young people with inspirational stories of how they are reaching to the heights. And I want to share one of those conversations with you today. Today, our guest is Sarah Ryan. Sarah is an 18-year-old senior in high school, and she's leaving quite a mark on the world. She's a youth tobacco prevention activist, working on the state and national level to address the current e-cigarette epidemic. She's active in our church and in the Archdiocese of Boston youth and pro-life communities, spreading humor, wisdom, joy, and a smile with everyone she encounters. We sat down to talk on how our paths have crossed, what life as teen activists and public speakers is like, and her super cool stories like the time she met the U.S. Surgeon General. All right, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the conversation and get inspired by Sarah's story of reaching to the heights. All right, we are here in the Catholic TV studio in Watertown. I'm sitting across from my very good friend, Sarah Ryan, who I'm so excited to have join us today. I am super excited to be here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sarah and I have been laughing for the past couple of minutes because in typical Sarah fashion, this is exactly why <laughs> I asked you to come. Um, you got caught up at school because a crew from the national CBS came to record a segment about you. Yeah. And that that's just a normal day in Sarah's life at school. <laughs> yes. So anyways... Sarah is an activist and a good friend, and we crossed paths at a retreat a few years ago that I am sure that that retreat will come up in conversation at one point or at many points. (laughs) Um, But I guess, Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself, your age, you're in school, what you're an activist surrounding? Sure. So my name is Sarah Ryan. I'm a senior at Holbrook Middle High School. I'm 18. And I do a lot of tobacco control work. I work with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, the Truth Initiative, and the 84 Movement. But anything that I say in this podcast is just a reflection of me. Just that's my quick disclaimer there. (laughs) Awesome. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you do for those organizations? Like what what your goal is and what your actual role and like day-to-day work for them is like. Yeah, so most of the work that I do is in preventing youth nicotine use. So that's been more specifically vaping as of late, but it started out with more traditional tobacco products. Um, I am on the state team for the 84 movement and uh, two national teams for truth in the campaign. So I do everything from running trainings to speaking on TV to giving speeches, uh, everything in between. And writing really cool letters to the editors (laughs) for the New York Times. (laughs) And do you want to tell me about the fact that I got a text, I don't know, a couple months ago, and you were like, 
hang on, meeting the, su- the Surgeon General in a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I, my laugh is super loud. I was... <laughs> Like a week beforehand, I got a call from Valerie, who was amazing at the Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids. And she's like, hey, would you be willing to fly down to Washington next Tuesday? And I was like, okay, why? And she's like, I'll let you know. It's about a study. And then I was just kind of getting details here and there. Like, there's studies coming out on vaping and nicotine exposure and all this different stuff. And I was like, I can give a speech in a conference room like that. That's fine. And then two days before I'm supposed to be there, I get a text. Hey, just wanted to let you know that you'll be introducing the Surgeon General and the Secretary of Health and Human Services will also be there. Um, and so I'm sitting in this conference room waiting for them to get there in D.C., freaking out. And I text Liv and I'm like, hi, I have to meet the Surgeon General. What do I do? <laughs> Which, again, is such a Sarah text. And I loved it. And I don't know. Obviously, um, So we met at Discipleship Week, which is this Archdiocese of Boston retreat that's going into its fourth year. But that that's a four is a big number. Four is it's crazy, especially because we were the first group of Discipleship Week kids. And I didn't want to (laughs) go. Yeah. Uh, so the story there um, is that Father Matt Williams was a parish priest in Holbrook when I'm from Holbrook. Um, and he said, hey, Sarah, you should come to Discipleship Week. It's going to be great. And he's hyping it up. I'm like, I don't want to go to this camp. I'm not going to know anyone there. It's going to be super awkward, all this stuff. But I, I can't say no to a priest, especially Father Matt, because I love him. And no I've, no I've, no, I've been known him my whole life, and I love him. So I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. But I had no desire to go at all. And then that is the week that has changed my entire life. So I could not be more thankful to Father Matt or to the Discipleship Week team, because where would I have met my best friend Liv if I didn't go to Discipleship Week? Yes. Who would I be? (laughs) And our other friend, Kathleen. Oh, also Kathleen. I'm so sorry, Kathleen. (laughs) We love you, Kathleen. Um, And everyone in track, whatever. For some reason, we're not like year three people last year. We were like track 2S, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. But anyway, we're going to be adult leaders this year at this wonderful retreat um, that happens every year in the mountains at Northeast Catholic College in New Hampshire, which I definitely echo what Sarah said, that it it definitely changed my faith and my faith life and prayer life for sure. Um, And we are definitely grateful for that. So I guess jumping off of the whole Catholic thing, given that this is a Catholic, Catholic. podcast and we're sitting at <laughs> Catholic TV, it was going to come up at some point. Um, so linking your um, activism, I, I can relate to this question a little bit being in environmental activism, because a lot of people don't associate it with the faith at all. Um, when you're doing climate change work or, I don't know, advocating for whoever, um, people don't always see that as a direct link to the faith. I guess I wanted to hear from you in your own words how your activism work fits into the faith and is maybe motivated by it. I think it is a super loaded question. <laughs> because <laughs> it's a big question. I've thought about this a lot, actually, because... I started doing tobacco control work around the same time that I dove really deep into my faith. And I think that my prayer life has supported me as in an, as an activist in ways that essentially I don't know if I could do the activism that I do if I didn't have my faith. Um, 
Tobacco control to me is part of being pro-life because being pro-life is womb to tomb, um, protecting life at all stages. And the tobacco industry has been so pervasive and so detrimental to human health that I think fighting tobacco is a part of protecting the human population. I can't think of a good word to phrase, way to phrase it. Well-being. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a level of frustration that comes with activism, especially in tobacco control, because I mean, with every activist, every type of activism, there comes some uh, pushback. And I have been attacked on Twitter. I've been made fun of in school. And it, being an activist can be really hard at times. Oh, yes. And um, praying has gotten me through that. Uh, the rough pa- patches in all of my life, but especially in activism, just because it can be ex- as extraordinarily painful as it is rewarding at times. Yes, that's a that's a really wise way to put that. I actually had jotted down that I wanted to talk with you a little bit. I feel like people... There's a whole world of teen and youth activism that normal people don't see. Mm. Our classmates see us in one way because they see us as like the activist kid who's flying everywhere and traveling everywhere and speaking everywhere, doing all of this media stuff. Um, And adults look at it in a very different way that differs based on the adults. But there's, there's definitely a different level of pressure and a different community around teen activism. Um, And I'm glad that you mentioned prayer as a way to combat sometimes the hate um and i don't know just overall pressure um and speaking public speaking is definitely one of the hot topics for that so i kind of wanted to ask you talk a little bit more about public speaking so how did you first get into it and then we can talk about funny stories and things that have come of it since okay the thing is that i my dirty secret is that i hate public speaking (laughs) um i have always hated public speaking i think the first time i realized that was when i had to give a book report in front of my second grade class and i was shaking so hard i started crying Um, and so that is my early stages of public speaking and then when i started getting involved with activism and tobacco control it's kind of a necessity for activism to do public speaking. And so I got thrown into it at our Kick Butts Day event and at different panels that I had to speak on. And I was like, oh, this is fine. But it's the most anxiety inducing thing in the entire planet for me. And I always, I always pray beforehand. And I, I pray for the Holy Spirit to just guide me in it, even when it has nothing to do with religion at all. Because I think even when on the surface level it doesn't have to do with religion, everything has to do with so faith. So true. So I think that that's really important for me in just remembering that what I do is important and knowing that it is not just me up there by myself on the stage alone. Um, and yeah, so I've been, I started out giving like presentations and things and then I got thrown into doing media interviews one year because the girl that was the spokesperson for the 84 got the flu and they're like, hey, can you do this TV interview? And then it's kind of just snowballed from there that I've ended up in a bunch of different public speaking roles that I am not at all comfortable with, but will do when asked. (laughs) (laughs) True. I I feel like that right there is the definition of the whole reaching to the heights thing. This podcast is named after Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati, who... Yeah, he went through a lot of hard stuff and a lot of people didn't believe in him and he had to do a lot of uncomfortable things. Um, 
you are definitely reaching to the heights there and I, I'm very proud of you. I don't know if you remember this, but at Discipleship Week last year, I was uh, at the end, everybody talked about something that they'd learned from it. And I got up and I said that I learned that the Holy Spirit is always going to push me to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> um, like going to confession scares me a lot and I cry beforehand every single time, but it is a beautiful sacrament that is life-saving as yes. we all know. Um, and public speaking terrifies me to no end, but there's messages that need to get across and somebody has to say them. So, you know, there are things that you don't want to do that you need to do. And I think that the Holy Spirit is always going to push me to do those things. And that is what I took away from Discipleship Week last year. And I'm excited to see what I get from it this year. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's always some new takeaway, but that is definitely a beautiful story. We have lots of beautiful stories from Discipleship Week, but we also have absolutely ridiculous stories of like, I don't even know, dressing in bedsheet togas. <laughs> the like, um, closet of prom dresses of prom that dress we just that we found. I, I don't know. Lots of, lots of handstands in the living room and... Trying to pull an all-nighter in that random little gym yes. in the woman's dorm. With, with a trampoline in St. Mary's dorm. I, I don't know. There's lots of... There are lots of stories about Discipleship Week, but I think what's obviously really beautiful about it is it's a lot of sometimes overtired teenagers together <laughs> um, just being being present to each other and being present to themselves and to God. Um, and like you mentioned, plenty of opportunities for confession and adoration and just being with really awesome role models like two episodes ago, um, or a few episodes ago, Michaela, Mi- Michaela Hagar is a youth minister who started bringing teens to Discipleship Week. And that's, I think, one of the first times that I might have met her, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. So awesome things there. But speaking on the note of funny stories, um, like that ridiculous time that I don't even know how it started, but someone said the phrase dead as a doornail. <laughs> do you remember yeah. that? I don't remember how that happened either, but I do remember. But then someone, I think Kathleen, or maybe me, I'm not really sure who to blame this one on, <laughs> got really interested in what is a doornail. And we, we, there was a lot of asking Siri what a doornail is and, and a lot of research and <laughs> a lot of, I think I randomly marched up to Father Matt Williams and was like, do you know what a doornail is? <laughs> and I, I don't think anyone knew what to make of any of that, but we did learn what a doornail is. It's a nail that goes through a church door or a big cathedral door. And once it goes in, you have to bend the back of it, meaning that it is now rendered useless and is dead. There we go. There's your fun fact of the day. <laughs> Anyways, do you have any funny stories about public speaking? Public speaking gone wrong. I know that I have a couple stories uh, in that category. But also, if you have any other stories of like, circling back to the whole it's a lot of pressure to be a teen speaker and a youth activist and that's that's a lot sometimes so i'm wondering what what tidbits of wisdom in anecdotal form you have to share with us do you want the wisdom first or do you want the embarrassing story (laughs) whatever order you choose (laughs) i i guess i don't know if it fits into i guess it does like when i was lecturing at my um at my confirmation, um, and I had to read, and I said, I read the whole thing, and you go to church your whole life, and you know you know what the words are, yeah. right? You know what the words are. Um, but I got up there at my confirmation, and I read the whole reading, and I was so nervous, and then I went, 
thanks be to God at the end instead of saying the word of the Lord. And the entire congregation was like, what is happening? And I didn't know what to make of it. And my priest, Father Tom, still makes fun of me for that. That was like two years ago. Um, But that is... That's really funny to me. All of my funny stories are embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a church kid. Like, I've been going to church since I was little tiny nugget. Yeah. Like, I yeah. can't remember the words. Um, it's okay. That then, is a good story. There, yes. I feel like lecturing always, yeah. everyone has a good lecture story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the, like, only thing that I can take away from that, if we're going lesson-wise, is that I... You're never going to get everything perfect, yes. which is very hard to learn as a perfectionist teenager, which I feel mm-hmm. that you can relate to. Oh, yes. Um, but you can say the same phrase your entire life and forget what it is. Um, and that, you know, like Father Tom's always going to make fun of me. And like, I'm always <laughs> going to remember that story. But it didn't ruin my confirmation. We all got confirmed. We all have that beautiful sacrament. Everything like the little mistakes that we all get tri- like tripped up on when we do public speaking things never matter that much in the long run, no matter how anxious I will get before I do public speaking. Um, true, very uh, true. I, in my speech at Cake Butts Day last year, so the whole thing about me doing public speaking is that I get incredibly anxious and I say that I'm like vibrating because that's the only <laughs> word I can come up with for how bad my hands shake. I was just talking about this earlier actually. Um, and my skin turns red and I get kind of sweaty and I'm like, this is humiliating. So my Kick Butts Day speech last year was basically like, hey, if I can get up here with my red skin and my shaky hands and my watering eyes, you can do literally anything. <laughs> like I was like, believe in yourself because if this is happening right now, like you got it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so that is my, um, that's my anecdote. That's, that's what I got. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I think I, did I watch that speech, Mandy? I don't know. It's, it's on I, Facebook, I think. I think, yeah. I think I definitely I have to give another one this year and it'll probably be equally. Ooh. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about Kick Butts Day? I know that you've referenced it a few times. Uh, I, in my head, everybody knows what Kick Butts Day is, right? Kick Kick Butts Day is the national day of youth activism for tobacco control. So it is usually um, based around legislation and uh, taking action. So with the 84 movement, we go to the uh, Massachusetts State House and we meet with our legislators. We don't do any lobbying because we're funded by the state, but we basically just go in and talk to our legislators about the issues that we're seeing and our personal experiences and ask them for their support in tobacco control. Um, but it is, oh, I'm trying to think of what to say about it. It's really powerful to see like hundreds of teenagers in the same youth the same youth in the same (laughs) room um just fighting for the same thing and i can only imagine what the march for life is olivia has been there like what (laughs) four times times. (laughs) probably more i've never been to the march for life um and that i can only imagine how powerful that is because standing in a standing at the front of a room with two three hundred people who just want their peers to be healthy and want their community to be healthy and want to fight for this one thing is just a really powerful moment. Um, and last year, I received the uh, Youth Leader of the Year Award, um, and I gave the speech, and I was in the middle. I, like, ad-libbed in the middle of my speech. <laughs> I was like, I should not be receiving this award right now, not because I don't think that what I've done is cool. Like, I'm, I'm proud of what I've accomplished, but I... 
you see all of the other youth leaders in the room. You're like, this is insane. Look yeah. at all of the, like, excitement and the joy and the, like, pure enthusiasm surrounding activism and surrounding taking action. I This is a side tangent off of this story because I just keep going all over the place. <laughs> um, but I was with Tobacco Free Kids this summer. Um, and we all had legislative visits, and there were two guys from Texas that went in to meet with Senator Cruz's office. And Senator Cruz's office was not so nice to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically got made fun of and kicked out. Um, and they came back, where I would have come back to the office and cried. Um, they came back to the office, and they were fired up, and they were ready to go, and they were making plans for how they were going to pass Tobacco 21, and they were, like, feeding off of each other, and they were taking action. And I just think that there's something really inspiring about that, like, fiery spirit, yeah. and that, like, where that all comes from, and it's just beautiful to me. Yeah, that. That does sound inspiring. And I like your parallel to the March for Life. Different yeah. because, uh, I don't know, different. Well, different, but yeah. I mean, I don't similar. mean to conflate abortion yeah, yeah, yeah. and tobacco, but no, I no, just no. see the parallels there. Yeah, but definitely, definitely, as you've said before, and I've heard you say, pro-life issues for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, huh, I don't even know where to go. I guess we have to wrap up in a few minutes. But do you have anything to say about how tobacco um, prevention works with pro-lifeness or any of your pro-life work i know that we've actually worked done a summer academy at the massachusetts citizens for life together and we we got to do some fake practice lobbying against each other and that was wonderful (laughs) i have not done quite as much direct pro-life work as i would like to um i wrote a research paper for my english class last year on abortion that um i got some criticism for um (laughs) But I, I think what might be more interesting than that is how I became pro-life because going into Discipleship Week, what was that, 2016, yeah. I was not pro-life. I was probably the complete other end of the spectrum because, well, I was a feminist. So if you're a feminist, then you can't be pro-life. Like that was the mentality that I went in with. And I left Discipleship Week not only with like a fire for prayer and like, getting into my faith, but also with a like really strong passion for being pro-life um because uh, i wish i I can never remember the phrasing of the like quote exactly but it's the the verse was on the board about i knit you together in your mother's womb and that was really what struck it for me like god creates us in this image and likeness and it's not that he creates us when we're four or when we're born even, it's from that very first second is when like we are created and when he he loves, I mean, he knows and loves us before that moment even, but like that moment is so crucial. And I had never seen it that way before because abortion gets glossed over and everything is, well, it's the woman's right to choose and it's this, that, and the other thing. Um, And there's definitely like a level of nuance to it and needing to be understanding to women who have had abortions and understanding like where those things come from. But I had seen it so black and white before and to have such a polarizing switch was a really powerful moment in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's I didn't necessarily know that. I feel like we've talked about this before. I feel like maybe we have. We've definitely had lots of conversations about pro-life feminism, which I 
my my past week has been filled with the lovely Kristen Hawkins. So jealous. Um, the Students for Life of America president um, who came to give a talk at BC called Lies Feminists Tell. And it was centered around just that, that it is very good and is actually the complete definition of fem- feminism to be a pro-life feminist mm-hmm. um, and to fight for women in the womb and those outside of the womb. All right. So I don't think I have too much else for you, but I do have one this is kind of my favorite thing so i have a speed round of quick questions that (laughs) that started out as something that we used at the jane goodall institute with youth activists and young environmental change makers so i had to switch the questions up a little bit because as i figured out with michaela though she answered this question the um question what's your favorite animal doesn't really apply to this situation she said otters um yes and that that became a hot topic of discussion in Michaela's <laughs> podcast, Otters. Unexpected, but good. But anyway, are you ready for my quick questions round? I hope so. <laughs> Catholic-themed quick questions? Catholic quick questions. All right. What's your favorite book of the Bible? If you say Leviticus, I'm going to be mad. Why? Why are you going to be mad? <laughs> um, it's not Leviticus. Um, probably Psalms. Okay. Which is like probably kind of basic, but... I, yes. I I always That's good. but it's fine. I read through it all the time and that what I should probably branch out in my reading, but <laughs> that is a solid one to read though. I, when I was in Israel last summer I read through yeah. Psalms. Because you it they mean different things every time you read them. You're like, yes. Oh, that is not what I thought that said before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like the words change and they never do. It's just what you <laughs> take I mean, which comes with all parts of the Bible, but especially that book for me. Yes. Good one. The Leviticus thing was I was that kid who went into Discipleship Week 2016 and said that Leviticus was my favorite book of the Bible, which was truly just because I had just taken a scripture class and was really <laughs> fired up about Leviticus. And then cont- I, poor Kathleen read Leviticus after there, tried to read it cover to cover. Like, I, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you like inspired her to read Leviticus? And I led her saying, astray. I didn't <laughs> inspire anyone. <laughs> I, I can't. See, this is why I need to go to BC. Um, I'm still picking colleges, but I need to take some sort of theology type class mm-hmm. because public school does not give me the level of um, faith education that I need. <laughs> that was actually, dang it, we're going off on another tangent, yes. but this was my fault. I forgot <laughs> to ask you. So I... I went to Catholic school my entire life, so the whole activist thing and also spreading the faith and evangelization thing looked very different for me. Yes. How does the whole evangelization thing look for you? Not good. <laughs> oh, no. I was hoping <laughs> well, for a more hopeful answer. Well, okay, so maybe it's not not good. It's just that um, I'm kind of the token Catholic kid, uh, so I sit in English class and there's something slightly faith-related and everybody's like, hey, Sarah, and I feel like a lot of the time I'm not necessarily bringing as many people to the faith as I'd want to. They just kind of point to me as like an example of something to do. I have, I shouldn't say not good. I have had a couple experiences with bringing people more into the faith. I've actually, this is my second time around as a confirmation sponsor. Nice. Uh, last year I sponsored my best friend, Rachel, um, who was not really into her faith at all and this year we teach ccd together and we went to a 6 a.m service for ash wednesday and she's still mad at me about that but (laughs) um and then this year um i'm actually sponsoring a friend of mine's little brother my friend carrie passed away when i was a little kid and her brother asked me to be his confirmation sponsor which is a really cool moment for me so there is aspects of me working with kids in my school um 
and I talk about my faith a lot and I become the token Catholic kid sometimes, but then other times people do ask me real genuine questions that aren't just like, where was Jesus born? <laughs> but I've also had that. So. Yeah. yeah, you are planting seeds for sure that are definitely, <laughs> that are clearly sprouting now with two people sponsoring. That is wonderful. All right, back to the quick questions round. Okay. <laughs> I'm was, bad at this. No, 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 that was my fault. Um, that was me not reading the questions that I have written down for you. All right, so we got our favorite book of the Bible, and it is not Leviticus. It is Psalms, which I also heavily recommend reading. What's your favorite book in general? I know that you are a book lover, and I... So this is also a loaded question, and it shouldn't be, um, but probably The Outsiders, even though it's like a middle school book, but I've read it more than 20 times. I read it 11 times in the eighth grade. I wrote my supplemental essay for BC about The Outsiders. Yes. Uh, it's kind of an embarrassing guilty pleasure we got right there. Um, <laughs> it was a good essay, though. I read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it Did I, it? I couldn't yeah. remember. Um, and I don't know, maybe not so much about the content of the book, but maybe I. my entire essay that I wrote was about... These are supposed to be quick questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> but my entire essay was about how the the books that we read and how we come back to them and the way that they make us feel. Um, and when I was in eighth grade, I was at a very low point in my life and The Outsiders became very important to me. So now sometimes that is a book that um, it's kind of comforting to me. Yeah. So there's that. Has sentimental value. Yeah. And it also is a very good book. <laughs> I have not read it 20 times. Yeah. I, I can recite the whole first page if you oh, want me wow. to. I won't, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> Later, I want to hear this. <laughs> All right. Favorite musician or band? Hmm. You could say the person that we're going to see on Saturday, okay, I don't but know. I won't pressure okay, you. Okay, so the person we're going to see on Saturday is Chris Tomlin, whom I love, but yes. I think I might be more of a Matt Marr fan. Same. Yeah, I, th I think we're going to have to go with Matt Marr. I was like, are there secular people? No, it's Matt Marr. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is a Catholic podcast, so I don't know why I did that. <laughs> yeah, I always, yeah. People always ask me what my music taste is, and it always comes back to Christian. I might try to pretend that it's not for a little while. It's either Christian music or musical theater. So really asking yes. me about an artist is hard because I'll just be like, Newsies on Broadway. Yes. Um. <laughs> Matilda on the West End. <laughs> yes. All right. Another. <laughs> These quick questions are never oh, quick. Oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they are never quick. And I should change the name at some point in time. But I just find it really entertaining that they're not quick. But OK, next question. <laughs> Favorite place that you've traveled? Washington, D.C. Which I've been there like five times in the past year, and I very much love it there. I almost went to college there, and then all the schools there waitlisted me, so that's fine. But <laughs> I do love it there. It's okay. You're going to end up where you are meant to be. <laughs> and I'm not biased that you should end up at BC, but <laughs> no, you will end up somewhere awesome, I'm sure. All right, so in the same vein as favorite place that you've traveled, what's the fav your favorite like place that you've been or speaking engagement in general? Where's your favorite place that you have spoken? place that I've spoken like event or I this is not what you might assume but I actually spoke at the truth board of directors meeting in Phoenix Arizona in February and that was very cool because they make all of the decisions for the truth initiative and I felt like I had a really big impact there and I also met four other youth activists who are absolutely amazing so that was really cool that's awesome and that actually I, I think I might have texted you that week and been like hey do you want to record a podcast and you're like I'm gonna be in Phoenix <laughs> like 
that's good. It's so weird that that's my life right now. <laughs> yes, it is. I love it. Like I've been saying, it's so very Sarah, and I love it. All right, what's your favorite form of prayer or way to pray or favorite prayer? Uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. That is a solid one. That's 100% my favorite. That's me in the car, which I feel like everybody else is a rosary in the car type of person, but I am very much a Divine Mercy Chaplet. So. That's a fun fact. That's that's good. Here's, here's a vulnerable fact. I... Uh, said that I was going to pray it every day in Lent because that's what I felt called to do. And then I think I made it two days and chose something else. But See, I, similar thing, I said I was going to pray it more often in Lent because I knew that I could not stick to every day as much as I would hope to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I tried. And yeah. then college happened. Oh, yeah, that's that's life there. Yep. <laughs> we are uh, not as good at Lent as we would hope to be. <laughs> no. I just, I try to be really good at Lent. I want to be really good at Lent, but it's okay. I also I, gave up soda, so I was like, this is like two things, so it's less yeah. bad if I screw one up. Yes, yeah. You always have something. I think that's what I did. I like picked yeah. 10 things to pick up or give up, and then I realized two days later that 10 or however many was a bit of an exaggeration. I even made like a bullet journal spread of that's like- not, That's very Liv. Thing, yes, <laughs> things to track like- See, I do a lot of stuff, but I am not artsy like Liv. All of my math notes are like scribbled. My math teacher's like, I can't read your handwriting. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whereas I get yelled at because I use too many pen colors <laughs> or I do my math in pen. And that's a really big issue. Oh, I do that too. I, I enjoy doing calculus in pink pen. Nobody likes it in physics lab when I do, but it's okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, if you could meet any pope, who would it be? Mm -hmm. Living or dead. That, I feel like that goes without saying. I hope. I mean, I was thinking deceased yes. popes, but um, honestly, probably the current pope, Pope Francis, because I'm very curious yeah. about what he thinks about certain things. Okay. I'd like to pick his brain. Yes. That... Will you bring me along with you? <laughs> I mean, it's never going to happen, but I would, I would, maybe he'll be on your podcast someday. Yes. This podcast is going to go on for a long time. And... Pope Francis, your holiness, I would be honored if you would be a podcast guest. I have many questions too, and you could co-host it with me. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Sure. You already committed to that, so when it happens, I'm here, <laughs> yes. you can't do anything about it. Definitely. <laughs> All right. If you could be BFFs with any one saint, who would it be? This isn't fair. I know. It's a hard question. <laughs> this is not a fair question. <laughs> Any two saints? You can have a little trio of friends. No, I should pick one. Um, th that's the real question. I should stick to the real question. I'll give you a male and a female saint. Let's go Saint Joseph. Ooh, dang, that's good. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Because well, I, right. I was gonna go with Mother Teresa because she's my confirmation yes, saint and I, I love her and she's wonderful. But Saint Joseph. I mean, think about getting to meet Jesus's earthly father. Like, imagine what that like. Imagine being best friends with the man who helped raise Jesus. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that he's got some stories to tell. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No. Pretty. I mean, where's that whole period between childhood and? I mean, I need Saint yeah. Joseph to fill in the gaps for me. Yes. <laughs> Michaela in the, in the first episode was telling me about how she's hiking the Camino. And she's, I think they're doing it for roughly 33 days. And for every day, they're going to meditate on a year in the life of Christ. And I was very confused about what's going to happen <laughs> between zero and 12 and then 12 and 30. But <laughs> you and Michaela, once you get St. Joseph as a BFF, you two need to <laughs> link up. 
All right. Well, we have had an awesome conversation about getting a look into what it's like to be a kid activist. Not a kid activist. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm a kid. Like, yeah. I'm officially an adult, but, but I'm a yeah, kid. I don't know. I We're so often, we both have the title of national youth leader, right? Yeah. For different organizations, but... It's it's okay. I'm I'm on the college council of the National Ooh. Youth Leadership Council, so it, <laughs> it it feels a little. Next year, I'll transition from national youth leader to national young adult leader. So see, I didn't I, get that promotion. I get promoted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'll be stuck as a youth for three more years. <laughs> it's okay. I won't complain. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was so nice getting a glimpse into what that's like. Um, a glimpse into things that are so very Sarah, like randomly flying to phoenix or like meeting the surgeon general or just i don't know fighting for life in your own way i i guess that's kind of the bottom line and and also the whole point of this podcast that we're we're discovering how different people are reaching to the heights and you are reaching to the heights of fighting for life and the dignity of life which is so central to our faith but in a way that not everyone else is so thank you for all of the work that you do and thank you so much for being here thank with you me. of course I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) All right. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this third episode of the To The Heights podcast. And thank you to Sarah for being on it and for sharing her stories and conversation about what life as a teen activist and Catholic is like. We had a lot of laughs as well as moments of inspiration here in the studio. So I hope you enjoyed listening too and have some takeaways to apply to your own journey with the Lord and reaching to the heights. Be sure to tune in next week for two very exciting guests. But until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at to the heights CTV, or find me at OliviaRose underscore art or OliviaRoseArt.com. Talk to you next week and keep on reaching to the heights. <laughs> <laughs>